there, friend. Welcome to the Having a Mom Moment podcast. I am your host, Shannon Warner. This podcast is all about taking a few moments for yourself and reconnecting to the amazing woman behind the title of mom. You have so many plates spinning at any given time between your kids, your partner, your job, maintaining a household, etc., etc. But where does taking time just for you play into that? Let's spend some time together, you and me, right now. We're rebranding a mom moment to those sacred moments you take to fill your cup first. Let's connect, tune in, and tap into what makes us the incredible women that we are. We'll nurture ourselves first so we can be our best selves for those we pour into on a daily basis. We'll also bask in the beautiful wisdom of other moms to learn about the ways in which they've tapped into alignment in their own motherhood journeys. Come on, mama. It's your time. We're having a mom moment. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome to this week's episode of the Having a Mom Moment podcast. I am your host, Shannon Warner, and I am so honored that you've taken your precious time to join us here today. I want to remind you that my 18-page free maternity leave planning guide is still available for a limited time, so please get your hands on it as soon as possible. It will be turned into a paid resource here very soon and replaced with a still valuable but much less robust freebie. So grab yours today or if you know someone who could benefit from it, please direct them to the link in the show notes and it's also available via the link in my bio on my Instagram account at having a mom moment. This week, our guest is Michelle Solger. She is a certified mental wellness coach. In this episode, she shares her struggle with postpartum depression. So if this is a sensitive topic for you, you may want to skip over this episode, but it is still such a good and much needed conversation. So if you are still in the early phases of motherhood or your mama-to-be, this is a good one to listen to just to be aware of what may face you on the other side and not that you will indefinitely end up with postpartum depression, but just that there are some things on the other side that we're not always prepared for and to normalize that this is a common part of the experience and that you are not doing anything wrong if it feels hard for you. If you're past this stage, there's still some good stuff in here, and you may even recognize parts of your own story in Michelle's. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining me here today on the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm really excited for this conversation. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, where you're from? Yeah. So my name is Michelle. I am a wife and a mom of two, and I'm a certified mental wellness coach. So, um, you know, after having kids, I learned that it was way harder than I expected. And there was so much in motherhood that I was not prepared for. And I definitely fell into that martyrdom of motherhood where I put myself last and it didn't end well. I ended up with postpartum depression after my second and if you've ever been in that place, you are not able to be the best mother you want to be, the best wife, the best friend, when you feel like you're fighting for your life. Mm. And it really helped me to change my perspective on, okay, yes, my kids are important. I need to take care of them. But that doesn't mean that I have to be last all the time. And once I started taking care of myself, and doing some things for myself and maybe putting my fir- myself first every once in a while, I became a better mom. I was, a, I was, you know, more present and happier for my kids. I was more present for my husband. I was able to not be exhausted at the end of the day when it was time for him and I to have some time together. And it just showed me that we need to talk about this because so many moms think that this is what it has to be that you have to be a good mom, you have to be last. And Mm -hmm. that's just, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love so much of this. Um, Can we pick apart a little bit your, your story? So your first child, you did not have any symptoms of PPD. You experienced it your second time. Correct. How did that feel after having a different experience the first go round? 
weird. I mean, I definitely experienced like that baby blues the first time. And so going into the second one, I was like, okay, I'm going to do things differently. Now, side note, the world um, was a different place for my second. I had my second in April of 2020. Hmm. Yeah. So that was a, a curveball that I did not see coming. Right. <laughs> you know, when, when we conceived him, that well, COVID wasn't a thing. Right. So that kind of threw a curveball into it. And I definitely think that that did play a role in my postpartum depression because we did not have the support that we wanted and needed mm-hmm. because, you know, as much as I wanted help, I was terrified to bring anybody into our house with a newborn. Yeah. And a lot of it was just going, okay, what is going on with me? What is happening? Is this normal? Is this not? And just trying to step back and see what was, was going on. Cause I would just, I would snap at everybody, mm. whether it was my daughter, you know, my older child or my, my husband. And I just, I did not feel that bond with the baby. And so you just think, what is wrong with me? I remember thinking that I ruined my family. Oh, that having this baby and bringing this new child into our family ruined our family. That was, that was what was in my head. You know, that was what I truly believed. Mm. And I, I thought about leaving. Like I had, you know, I don't want to say daydreams, but like I had in my mind, like thoughts of getting in the car and just driving away. I I don't Mm -hmm. know where I would have gone any of that, but I just, I, I was like, I just, I need to leave. Those thoughts, I think, are kind of what really made me go, okay, I don't think this is normal, but it's so hard when you're in it to be able to find that line. Mm. Mm. It's heavy. It's so heavy. And I can't imagine having a baby in the peak of 2020, especially, you know, like you said, when you conceived that child, you had no idea what was coming. None of us had any idea what was coming. Like you didn't sign up for that. And especially for it to be your second baby and go, okay, these are the things I'd like to do differently this time. And then to not be able to do any of them, I can't imagine because that is so much of what I preach is like, get yourself some support, build yourself a network. Even if you have to pay for that support, like get yourself some support. And then if that's all ripped away from you, I can't imagine, especially when you're like, okay, here are the parts of the first one that were hard. Mm -hmm. How can I make this better the second time? And then not having that available to you. I can't imagine how challenging that was. Well, that was one of the first, with my first, I felt like I isolated myself too much, you know, because I felt like getting out of the house was so hard. And so that was something that I really wanted to do with my second was just get out of the house more. Mm, Yeah. Whether it's going and walking around a store, but just getting out more Mm -hmm. and not isolating myself so much. (laughs) Then we were in isolation. Mm. Can we talk about the isolation piece for a minute and like how important it is? Because I resonate that with that as well. With my first, I had a really hard time getting out of the house. I was like, is it even worth it if it takes me an hour? Yes. I I mean, I definitely felt like that with my first. It was very, I was not prepared for how hard it would be to just get ready and get out of the house, but it does make such a difference to get out of the house. Even if you're not even like going to meet someone, just being around other people, even getting out to go on a walk, mm-hmm. it makes such a difference changing your scenery. I even talk about that now with having, you know, older kids leave the scene of the crime. When you're having a bad day, leave. Mm. Even if it's bad weather, you know, I'm in West, you're in Michigan. So, you know, it's, we're yeah. starting to get cold. Going outside is not always an option now. Put the kids in the car and drive. Put some music on and drive around. Just get out of where you always are. And it can do so much for your mood, their mood, everybody. Yes, all of it. My first was born in North Carolina and the weather was much different down there, you know, like much nicer. Yeah. Even if it was cold, at least like the sun was out and, you know, you could be in the sun and make the best of it. But yeah, when you're in a place where you have to hibernate, it feels a lot different. And 
we've recently had these conversations. My husband and I were like, we we have to make a game plan. We've got a six year old and a 21 month old. And it's like, we've got to make a plan. Like we cannot be in this house together all weekend. They're mm-hmm. destroying the place. You know, you're trying to get caught up on all your chores and your errands. And it's like, this is, this is really hard and it feels awful. Like you want to be present and spending time with them, but you're like, oh, please don't break that. Like we just cleaned that up. Like, please, can I have a minute, please? Mm. Yes. Yes. We're, we're in the same boat. Cause oh, I feel gosh. like before every weekend we just go play outside. Yeah. And when you go play outside, it's just totally different. Yeah. But we're getting out of that time period. Oh my gosh. I love that. Leave the scene of the crime. Yeah. So definitely trying to make a plan and finding places that are uh, kid friendly enough that they can go. And it's hard to take kids out, especially with toddlers. Like it's a challenge in itself, but like they need to learn how to human in public, but now, you know, you got to find like safe enough spaces for them to do that. Yeah. I even with our second, I had my second at the beginning of 2022 and that's when that surge had started again, mm. not nearly as bad as you know, the thick of 2020, but I remember getting her home after a couple of weeks and I was like, we've got to get out of this house. And thankfully there's this beautiful, um, like botanical garden that has this indoor solarium or, you know, I'm going to mess up the terminology, but this beautiful, you know, glass warm enclosure. That's like three stories high with palm trees and things. And I was like, okay, she's little, it's scary, you know, but like the rest of us will mask up and we'll put the baby in her carrier and we'll put, you know, the little cover over it. And we're, we're just going to go like we have to get out of this house. And it does help, even if it is so hard to get out the door. Yeah. I remember with my first, she was born in September. So, you know, go, it, we were kind of going into the colder months and especially, you know, having one and having a, an infant, we'd go, I'd go to the mall and just yeah. walk around mm. with the stroller. And it was funny because I was actually at the mall the last weekend getting something I told my husband I was like it's funny because I see all of these parents walking around with strollers and it made me think back to that time and it makes sense because we're getting cold Mm -hmm. and that's you're like well I need to go we need to get out of the house and the mall is a great place where you can walk around inside yeah without feeling so enclosed yeah yeah and it's interesting that you say that because you see all these things about how malls are shutting down and they're like demolishing them because brick and mortar is dying. And I'm like, some of us like in these more Northern locations, like we need those, like, please, please don't shut them all down. We have nowhere to go. Mm. Absolutely. So can we talk a little bit about the timeline of postpartum? Um, like when you experienced it and anything, any light you can shed on like what they're saying now about the timeline? Yeah. So postpartum depression, Um, really, so that first two weeks after your baby is born, that is really going to be your baby blues. So those, that's your hormones are attempting to balance Mm because, you know, they go from your highest highs to your lowest lows. Your estrogen actually mimics menopause Mm. low. So if that tells you how much of a, a craziness, crazy cycle. So when you feel like you're going crazy, it's not in your head. It's your hormones it's real. So that first two weeks is really when your body's trying to balance. Now, after that two weeks, if you're still feeling those, those symptoms, that irritability, you know, the anger, the mood swings, uh, you know, it can be sadness. It could, some people cry all the time. Some people don't cry at all. It can be very, very different, you know, person to person, but if you're still feeling that and it's getting more intense, that's when you should talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. For me, I remember it was around six weeks that I kind of, I think, feel like things kind of started coming to a head because at my six week appointment, I did bring it up with my provider. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a good friend that I had kind of confided in and kind of told her what was going on. And she has a medical background and she was like, Michelle, you're not okay. You need to tell her. So I told my OB and she kind of brushed me off. <gasps> Mm. And she was like, well, you know, you're six weeks now you can start exercising, which that is a whole nother, uh, whole nother thing of just, Hey, it's six weeks. You can exercise and that's it. But she's like, you can get back into your routine. I'm like, what routine? I don't have a routine. We're in the middle of COVID. Like nothing is routine. Right. (laughs) And she's like, you know, I think once you get back into that, you'll start feeling better. And so that was a Wednesday. 
and that weekend um, is when I kind of, in my head is when I hit my low, you know, like it's what I kind of remember as my low point. We had some friends over that were leaving town. So we were having dinner with them outside and I couldn't even bring myself to go out there. Mm. And I'm a very, like, I'm a social person. I enjoy like entertaining like that. And I couldn't even go out there. I just sat upstairs in the nursery with my son crying. Mm. And I was like, I don't, this does not sound like, I don't think right. this is okay. And so I was texting my friend that I had talked to and she's like, you need to call Monday morning. Like, this is not okay. She was actually texting me like the hotline number for the state I was in. Mm-hmm. She's like, if, if you need, like call this, if you need it. And so I called them first thing Monday morning and I was like, I need help. What I'm going through is not normal. And so, you know, they did what they know to do and put me in therapy and put me on medication and it did help, but I had to really push to get any type of help. And that is hard to do. It's hard to make that call. Mm -hmm. And there's such a stigma around getting on medication that I think I even pushed things off a little bit more because the thought of it was, I was like, I don't, I don't want to be on antidepressants. You know, Mm -hmm. what does that say about me? Mm. What does it say about my abilities as a mom? And the thing is, I I was in a place where that's what I needed. I needed that boost. And it helped me to get out of that hole Mm -hmm. and be able to start functioning again and feeling again. Mm -hmm. Because I was going through every, every day felt like Groundhog's Day. Mm -hmm. It was, you get up you do the things and you go, well, you try to go to bed. Not much sleep was being had. And there was not a lot of feeling behind it. There was not emotion. It was just doing. It was making the food for the kids because I had to. It was feeding the baby because I had to. Not because I was enjoying it. Mm -hmm. Mm. And again, the added layer of the pandemic on top of this, you're like, oh, you'll be okay when you get back into your routine. Um, You know, we all thought we were going into a lockdown for two weeks and then the next two years unfolded. I can't imagine. And I also can't imagine when you're in a place that Saturday, when you're thinking you want to be outside with your friends and you can't bring yourself to be outside and even thinking I have to wait until Monday morning to call somebody. I can't imagine how trying that next 24 hours after that was. How challenging when you're so low already to have to wait. Yeah, it was, it was hard. Yeah. And I, I'm so frustrated to hear about your provider, but I think it echoes what so many women have experienced. And I've said this before, and I will say it again. Like if you don't love your provider during your pregnancy, like you up until almost the end, you can find somebody else and Speaking from someone who had two different providers because I lived in two different states during my two pregnancies, the first one was fine. The second one, the woman that I still have, she actually cares about me as a human. And I can feel that every time she walks into the room to, you know, for my visit, it's a totally different vibe because she actually cares about how I'm doing. You know, she like walked with me through so much stuff and was like, can I connect you with some resources? Like, what do you need? How can I help you? Gave me a hug. And I'm just like, this is what it should be like, you know? Okay. Maybe I can't be the one to help you, but like, let me connect you with someone who can, like, that's what we all deserve. And it gives me goosebumps because it's just like, we're not getting that. I largely, we are not getting that. Well, it, it, it takes a lot of courage to be able to even bring it up to your provider that like, Hey, I don't, I don't think what I'm feeling is normal. I mean, they do that screening, which is crap. Like, Let's be honest. Yeah. And 100%. how easy is it to lie on that thing? Right. 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 <laughs> like, or that... if you're like, I want help, but I don't want to look like I'm losing my mind and be institutionalized because your brain is not functioning as it normally would. I, if if that's the only tool that we're using to say if somebody's okay or not, I have a lot of thoughts on that one, but it's just it's, it's hard to, to bring it up to a provider because yeah, you don't want somebody to think you're crazy. Like, yeah, you want help, but you don't want somebody to think 
And I, I mean, I've talked to moms who were afraid to say something because they didn't want somebody to take away their baby. <sighs> yeah. Cause you know, that you can think that when you're in a right mind, but if you're not in a right mind, it's hard to understand if you've never actually been there, how messed up your mind can get and how twisted your thoughts can get. I actually was talking to my husband about it one day just because, you know, he has not, he has not himself experienced it. Mm -hmm. We were just talking about, you know, depression, mental illness in general. And he's like, I don't, I I just don't get how you can, you know, think that the world is better off without you. And I, I get where he's coming from. Because if you've yeah. never been in it, it is hard to understand that. And I was, you know, trying to explain to him how when you're in it, your mind isn't, isn't thinking rationally. Right. Like your thoughts aren't like, when you look back, you're like, oh, wow. I thought mm-hmm. like, that's horrible. But when yeah. you're in it, like, that's what you, you truly believe that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard for anybody else to understand right. that that is truly what you believe in your heart at that moment. Right. Right. And you can't rationalize yourself out of it. And like other people can't rationalize, especially if you're afraid to let them in, let them be aware, you know, did you have any trouble talking to your husband in when you were in the thick of it and going, okay, I need help. Did you have any trouble talking with him about it, getting him to understand? A little bit. I was afraid of being judged. Yeah. I mean, like even with my husband, it's, you know, and he also, you know, I'm not trying to throw him under the bus, but he also kind of believed that same stigma about the medication. Yeah. And I don't think he was necessarily like trying to get me to, to not get help, but he's like, do you want to do that? Like, do you want to get on medication? And I'm like, no, but I don't know what else to do. Right. But he also saw who I was then. And once I did get on the medication, who I was after, mm-hmm. and he saw that like, it did help. Yeah. But it's hard, even with those people you are closest with to tell them how you really feel and like telling yeah. him that I felt that our family was better off without me. Like <sighs> that's a, that's a hard thing to say to, to your loved one. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. I said, I mean, I don't know, I don't know that he'll ever truly grasp how I felt. Right. Because yeah. you, you can't. Right. Unless you've been there and it can get so dark. It can get dark fast. Very quickly. Yeah. I feel for you. I've had my own struggle. So I am right there with you. I totally feel for you. I also want to reiterate, and I've said this on other episodes. So I, this system was not designed for us to thrive. If you look at any other developed country in the world, there's so much more support in place um, leading up to pregnancy during, you know, you've got like doulas are just a thing. Everybody has one, you know, it's just part of it. You've got people checking on you in the early days after, after delivery, and you've got more than one six week visit. You're getting seen and checked in on much more frequently. You're not going back to work as quickly. So, I mean, if you're juggling these things, and you're struggling, that's, I I don't want to say it's normal. I wish it wasn't normal, but it's like, that is not surprising because this is hard. And then you throw going back to work on top of it. Sometimes it's six weeks, like no shit. You're struggling. Oh my God. I can't even wrap my head around people, how people, how moms can go back at six weeks. Yeah. Like the, and the fact that they're, they have to. Right. I know. I know I was talking to, um, I think her episode actually releases today. Was it her? Mm, it may not have been on the episode. I think it was a conversation I had with her outside of the recording, but anyway, she's in, based in Canada and she's like, what do you mean? You went back to work at six weeks. Who had your baby? Like, please help me understand. I was like, well, we worked it out. We had about another few weeks of family helping. And then she went into daycare and she couldn't even wrap her mind around that daycare is accepted newborns that daycare accepted infants she's like that's not a thing here like you can put your child in daycare like at age one but she couldn't even wrap her head around the fact that this was real life for american women every day and it's you know 
sometimes we need to wake up and I'm saying this to my former self who's like, I love America. America's great. Like, yes, I'm so thankful for the freedoms that we have that so many people don't, especially, you know, in the timeline that we're in right now. But there's so much wrong with the system and the way it treats our women. And yes, once we realize like, oh, this is not okay. Like then you can take some of the pressure off because it is not built in a way that you're going to thrive. And it's not your fault. It's not your fault. No, I even, I know I have a friend who she's a doctor. She's a family medicine doctor and she was surprised by postpartum, like Mm. her postpartum experience. And she was blindsided by things and she went to medical school. Oh my gosh. And that just blew my mind when I was like, you didn't even know what to expect. Like you weren't prepared for what was coming. Wow. So it's also our doctors aren't set up for success to help mm. us if they're not even taught what we're experiencing. How can they help us through it if they don't know? Right. Oh my gosh. And, you know, I'm projecting here. I don't know the life of a doctor, but I imagine a lot of medical doctors have more resources than the average mom in America. They're probably earning more. They've probably got more opportunity, you know, around childcare and what they can afford and things like that. So if they're still struggling in the space, you know, like that says something that says something. Oh yeah. I don't absolutely. And what's the answer? You know, that's part of why I love having these conversations is, I mean, not only to learn about like all these women's journeys and all the wisdom that they have coming out on the other side, but it's like, how do we help the next generation of mothers without scaring them? Like, I don't want to scare you. I just want to empower you because it is hard, but there are a lot of resources if you know where to look, (laughs) but you're going to have to find them yourself. Well, I think that's, that's, it's, it's talking about it. Yeah. And I've, I've been accused of that. I've been accused of scaring people like that. I, that I'm using my platform to instill fear and scare women into not having children. Can I pause and ask what kind of people <laughs> do you, do you notice a certain kind of people making the same kind of comments or is it just kind of coming from everywhere? It's kind of come from everywhere. Cause okay. I've had, I've had men make comments when I'm mm. like, okay, stay in your lane. <laughs> but I've, I've had it come from, from mothers, which mm. I'm sorry, but can we all just support each other? Right. Right. Yeah. Like, and if you don't like it together. next, yeah. If you don't like it, keep scrolling. And if you know me at all, that is not what I am trying to do. Right. I am trying to help bring awareness to what you're going through. And like you, like you mentioned with those resources, bring those resources to light Yeah. to say, Hey, if this is what you're going through, here is a resource for you mm. because there are some resources out there, but you may not know where to find them. Exactly. And if you're in the thick of it, you don't yes. have the capacity to go find them. Yes. So I, I want to be able to bring those to women. And I know for me, a lot of the things post- that you go through postpartum, a lot of them are just normal in that like postpartum hair loss, it's going to happen. Right. But I'm not the type of person I'm like, but why? And nobody would tell you, you just hear that you're going to lose your hair, but why? I like to educate and tell you, okay, you're going it, to, it's probably going to happen, but here's why. Or you know, if your joints feel really loose still after, after giving birth, here's why. So then you're Mm. like, okay, is it uncomfortable? Yes, but okay. It's normal. This is why it's happening. So then you're like, I'm not going crazy. Cause I remember feeling like my pelvis was just going like this. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, what, like standing on one leg. I'm like, why do I feel like my, this is not, this is weird. Yeah. But it's normal because your hormones are still trying to go back to their, their normal levels. But if you know that that's what's happening, you're like, okay, it's not in my head. Right. It is actually happening in my body. Okay. This makes sense. Yeah. So I think there's just such a lack of education around what happens in your body postpartum. Yeah. There's so much information on pregnancy. You have all the apps. They tell you what's going on every week, but then you have a baby and they're like, okay, bye. Yes. 
Is that not all of motherhood though? I mean, really, like everyone's fawning over you when you are pregnant and then they're like, oh, the baby's here. And then they just want to know, how's the baby? Yeah. Yeah. Not how are you? Yeah. How's the baby? This is something I feel strongly about. So I'd love for you to weigh in. I feel like if you are going to visit a new mom because you want to, you want to see the baby, you better either come with coffee or lunch or something offer, be prepared to offer to bring them some food, a meal, something. And when you get there, Hey, can I help you with laundry? Can I load the dishwasher for you? Like, can I like show up and be ready to help instead of just sit with the baby? 100%. -hmm. Do not just come and be a burden to mom. Do not expect to be waited on. Yeah. Like technically, yes, you are a guest in the house, but you're not a guest. You are there to help. Yeah. She does not have the capacity to wait on you too. Right. And I think the biggest thing, yes, come with some type of gift. And by gift, I mean food or something, (laughs) not, not a gift for the baby, something for mom. Yeah. And ask, what can I do to help? Yeah. Because I remember sometimes I'd be okay if somebody would help the baby and I could go do dishes because I felt yeah. like I could never get my chores done because I needed, because, because, you know, my baby wanted to be held. And sometimes I just wanted to get up and do those normal parts of life. Yeah. I felt like I couldn't do anymore. Mm-hmm. So like, if you want to come hold the baby, great. You hold them. I'm going to go do this. I'm not just going to sit there and we're going to chat. Yeah. Let me do this. Cause then it helps me to feel like, okay, I got something accomplished today. Even yeah. if it was just washing the dishes. Yeah. I think that's so important. And a lot of people don't like to hear that. And for me, I was the one I was, I didn't want to have people over. Cause then I felt like I had to clean my house. You know, I was like, I'm too tired. I can't. And I did actually, um, let someone come visit who was like a peripheral friend, you know, like a friend of a friend who I kind of knew. I knew she was super sweet and we were very similar. And she had a son who was about a year old by the time I had my daughter. And I was really nervous about letting her come, but she came with her mom and they brought food and they brought gifts and they were just like, we're here to help because they got it. You know, yeah. they just went through it. So they got it. And even though it was someone that I had never had to my house before, they were just like, what can we do over here? And it was so refreshing. And I did not feel judged that my floors were not clean. You know, they were just like, we're here, let us help you. And it was like, this is the energy. Like, this is what everybody needs. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember meals mm-hmm. either you know we had people bring us meals or even you know our family is not does not live in the same place we do and I had a cousin you know so a cousin texts me and they're like I'm sending you money for you to DoorDash dinner in yes. tonight you're yeah. not no you're not cooking you're ordering dinner here's money for it yeah it's those things like that that you you always remember yep Because it made such a difference and it sounds so little, it will make a difference. Yeah. Bringing, bringing a new mom a meal will make a difference. I 100% agree. And my oldest is six and a half now. And I still remember the people who showed up and did the things and what they did or, or even if they just offered, even if I didn't take them up on the offer, you know, there was a coworker. She's like, let me start a meal train for you. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, we'll be fine. You don't need to do that. We should have totally taken her up yeah. on it. But I still remember her offering. And I was like, wow, thank you. And we're not being demanding. I mean, you, I feel like in so many other places in the world, these moms have so much support postpartum and we don't have it here. And we're trying to navigate it alone, you know, a lot of the time, especially the first time when we have no idea what we're doing. So you know, I'm not saying if it's going to put you out to like show up with a meal, but like, just show, can, can I swing through the drive through and get you a smoothie? It'll cost you $5 and it'll mean the world to her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember with my first hearing about like the freezer meals, people yeah. making freezer meals. And I'm like, why do I need to make freezer meals? Yeah. The baby's just going to sleep all day. Right. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to be able to make dinner. Yeah. I was wrong. Yeah. I was so wrong. Like, yeah. I was so unprepared because I was like, why won't I be able to make dinner? Like that's right. And yeah. I mean, you hear about these cultures where mom stays in bed for a month. Yep. After having a baby. I'm like, that sounds glorious. And just to yeah. think about like 
how much different your motherhood experience would be if you got that time to rest and to heal because you're starting from a deficit. And the fact that like childbirth is not treated like any other type of, I know vaginal birth is not technically a surgery, but do you realize (laughs) how much trauma that causes in your body? Don't even get me started on C-sections and the fact that you get more, you actually get therapy rehab for like a knee surgery, but not a major abdominal surgery. No, why would we have any rehab for that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I had a friend in high school. I think about that often who I think tore his meniscus or something, which, you know, like that's a big deal when you're in high school, but like the aftercare that he got versus what I got or women I know who have had C-sections, it's like, yeah, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I, I have a background in orthopedics. So I've seen oh. how care is after a surgery of, you know, a shoulder, a knee, something like that. And I've seen <laughs> firsthand how care is after having a baby. Yeah. What I was thinking, I always think about like the duality of these, like, I'm right here with you and I agree with everything you're saying, but if someone who is not typically in my realm stumbles across this podcast episode and doesn't think similarly to the way I, and a lot of my guests do, they might be sitting here going, that's really selfish. You want to lay in bed for three months or you want to, you want to have people come and wait on you. You want to have people come and clean your house for you when you have a baby. Like how entitled are you? Can we pause for a minute? And why do we think that way? Like if you're inclined to think that way, why can we examine that? Because if you look all around the world, this is not the way most cultures are doing it the way that we're doing it here. So can we examine for a moment? If you're like, that sounds really entitled. Like, why don't you do a little introspection? I'm like, why? Why do we feel that that's entitled? That a woman gets to heal after growing a human and pushing it out of her body? Well, I mean, here's a little perspective. My dad recently fell and broke his shoulder and had to have a shoulder replacement. He was in the hospital. I mean, he was in the hospital, honestly, longer than I was in the hospital after I had my son. And then he got home health care for a month. Mm-hmm. He had nurses and therapists coming to him yeah. for a month. And yeah. then after that, he started going to the hospital for rehab. Yeah. And that's a shoulder. Right. We're well, not and talking thank God about he did. Insides. Right. I mean, fantastic. I'm glad he did. My mom had a hip replaced this year. Like very, so I hear you. And thank God she had those resources. But hello, <laughs> what about So not only are you going through the trauma of having a baby and the internal trauma, because it's about a dinner plate size wound left on the inside of your uterus when the placenta detaches, just to throw that out there. Everyone just, you know, glazes right over that. Right. And you're taking care of a new human being who is trying to figure out this world. I saw something the other day that was like, talking about how, when you're going home and you guys are trying to learn each other and meet each other. And I'm like, that's, yes, that's great. Cause it's, yes, you don't, you don't really know each other. You're trying to do all this while recovering and you got nothing. You get nothing. Mm. Yeah. That was something that gave me a lot of power the second time. And I didn't realize I had realized it until I was in the hospital and she's screaming at me as I'm trying to get her in her car seat. You know, dad's already got the car. He's going to go pull it up because it's January in Michigan and it's freezing. Yeah. And I'm trying to get her all, and she's screaming. Just like everybody, <laughs> I know everyone can hear it. A couple of the nurses are like, how you doing? I'm like, oh, how do you think I'm you know? And I'm like, I would have melted down with my first. I would have been like, oh my gosh, I'm not qualified. Take this baby. I can't take her home. I'm already breaking her, you know? But I'm like, I remember hearing myself and I don't even know where it came from where I was like, it's okay. Like, I know you don't know me that well. Like we're getting to learn. We're getting to know each other. Like, it's fine. It's fine. We're going to be okay. And I think I needed to hear it. You know, I was telling myself, but it was like that. If you could just give yourself permission, like it's not personal. You're new. You're both meeting each other for the first time. I don't care that they grew inside of you. Everyone thinks that it is this instant bond. That you automatically, and I'm not saying that you don't love your child as soon as they're born, but there's not always that instant bond. And when you don't feel that bond, then you think something's wrong with you when it's actually very, very normal because there's so much going on. And yeah, you're like, 
hi who are you yeah and they're looking yeah. back at you like what is this like yeah especially because their eyesight is not great as an right. infant so they're like what am what am yeah. I looking at yeah and I think that's so so good to remember that like I love that you said that I don't really know you like I'm trying to get to know you and you're trying to get to know me and I think that's something that needs to be talked about more too because yes. so many moms do think that they're like, well, I'm not instantly bonded with this baby. Something's wrong with me. And oh my God. It's not. Sometimes it just takes time as you guys get to learn to know each other. And, you know, as the babies grow, they get more interactive and it's more fun. Like when they're a newborn, they just lay there and cry and poop and eat. And yeah. it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. There's no personality there. Right. Right. I'm so glad you said that. And I, for whoever needs to hear it, my sister-in-law, she had a seven-year-old by the time we had our first, but I am so thankful she told me, you know, when he was born, I didn't have that instant, oh my God, I love you so much. She's like, obviously, like, okay, you're my baby and I, and I do love you and I'm going to take care of you and make sure that you're okay. But she's like, there wasn't that instant, like I'm obsessed with you and that, you know, that you see and that's portrayed everywhere. And that gave me so much freedom and so much permission that when my daughter was here, I was like, okay, she's here. And I was a little emotional, but it wasn't the like, oh my gosh, everyone's crying. It's so magical. You know, it just gave me so much permission to be like, okay, this could also be your experience. And this is also totally normal. Yeah. I think I was more emotional that like, I did it. Yeah. Like I pushed that baby out. It's done. Yeah. It's over. (laughs) I did it. Yeah. I remember, especially with my first going, especially like getting to the end of the pregnancy, I'm like, how are you going to get out of here? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Neither option is really that appealing. Right. Neither of these options is really making me go, okay, like, let's go that one. Right. Right. Sign me up. (laughs) So, you know, like finally, like getting the, like giving birth and getting the baby out. I'm like, I did it. Like, I'm okay. Baby's okay. I, I did it. it. It's done. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. I think the more <laughs> we can just talk about, you know, it could be this, but it could also be this and it's all okay. It's all good. I think it's so important to have the conversations because especially now with social media, like you're saying, like, I mean, cause everybody posts everything. I can't tell you how many women I've seen newly postpartum in diapers holding their baby, like more power to you, sister. Like if that's your jam, you go right ahead. But if you don't look like that right after you had a baby, like that's not real life for a lot of people and it's all okay. Yeah. I always tell people, both of you will come home in diapers because mm-hmm. I don't think I was completely ready for that. Yeah. Or the fact that like, you don't just magically go back to your pre-pregnancy size. Right. You know, yeah. bring nice baggy clothes to the hospital. Yeah. Don't bring jeans. Right. <laughs> You will hit yourself. I forgot who told me that. Somebody that I know was like, don't take jeans to the hospital. I'm like, why would you do that? (laughs) Mm, I don't want to wear jeans on a good day. Why would I wear jeans after having a baby? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, can we kind of go back to the beginning of the conversation when you talked about the mommy martyrdom? Because I think it's really easy for us to fall in this trap, but I think it's so important to talk about it and how we got to just set it down. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is such a, I don't think stigma is the right word, but it's this thing that like, if you're a mom, you are the martyr and you have to give your life for these kids. And that's the thing to be this tired, overwhelmed, overstimulated, overcaffeinated mom. Mm. That doesn't need to be how it is. Right. And I think we need to change that narrative. Like that's not a, the cool thing to be. Yeah, that is setting yourself up for disaster, because then you're overstimulated. When you can't even handle yourself and you're overstimulated, you are much more likely to lash out on somebody else, right? To yell at your kid because you're you're at your edge. And so I think we just need to learn that it is not selfish to take care of ourselves. Right. Because there's this, you know, people, moms think that anything they do for themselves is selfish. Like go sit down on the couch and read 
read a book or watch your own show. Yeah. And let the laundry sit there. Because guess what? It's not going anywhere. Right. (laughs) There have definitely been days where, you know, I get the kids down for a nap and I have options. I could clean the kitchen or I could sit on the couch and watch a show or take a nap if I needed to. And it depends on how the day has gone. Some days I'm like, all right, I'm ready to get things done. Like, let's knock out these chores. And there are days where I have done everything I can to get to nap time. Right. And I'm like, I just need to sit and I need to veg. And you know what? I feel so much better by the end of nap time that I'm like, all right, let's tackle the second half of the day. We need to give ourselves permission to do those things and to have hobbies, Mm -hmm. to have a life outside of being just a mom. That is something that I found myself in kind of after, because my kids are 19 months apart. So there's a time period where it was all a blur. Yeah. (laughs) And it was, it was pure survival mode. It was just do what you need to do to get through. And I felt like kind of once I got out of that fog, out of that survival mode, they had gotten a little bit older. They didn't need me as much. We were out of bottles and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I was like, so what do I do now? Like, who mm-hmm. am I now? Mm-hmm. And I had to really dive in and see like, who is Michelle yeah. besides mom? Because I, I had given in to like, that's all I was. And I feel like I had even kind of dropped the title of wife. Mm-hmm. Like I had let that fall. And yeah. so, you know, making my, my marriage a priority again and finding what are the things that make me tick and I remember I had somebody challenge me and they're like well what did you like to do before you had kids like what were your hobbies so thinking back and one of them that I came across was reading growing up I loved to read Mm -hmm. and as I got older that something had kind of fell to the wayside and I was like I don't have time to sit down and read a book and she was like what about an audiobook I was like who does audiobooks and she's like just try it and I love it. Yeah. It's something now that like, that is my me time when, and it's so easy. Like I can be doing dishes and I'll just pop in headphones and I'll listen to a book. And it gives me that, that me time, that, that time to just not worry about anything else. I can fold laundry and listen to a book and it just, it fills my cup. Yeah. It helps me to find me again. Yeah. As a also avid, well, former avid reader, yeah. you know, I, I love it, but it lets you escape. It lets you escape your world, you know, and be transported to somewhere else. And that's so powerful. If you're reading fiction, of course, uh, oh, yeah. you know, it's so powerful. It's like, let your mind be somewhere else for a little bit. Well, even that I had in my mind that like, oh, if I'm going to take the time to listen to a book, it needs to be like personal development. Oh, <laughs> and she was like, no, yeah, do, like read something for you. Yeah. Read that. So she was like, go read a fiction book. Yeah. I was like, okay, that was kind of fun. I'm so glad you said that because it's like, we still are like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to take this time for me, but I'm going to like make sure that there's like an outcome that like benefits everybody. Uh No. (laughs) Or like, I need to read a parenting book. No. Mm. Go read something that you can get lost in. Yeah. And you know, if you're a reader and you love reading and your kids are a little older and you can sit with them and I know it's, I've got a, you know, a toddler myself right now. I think if I sat with a book, she'd like rip it out of my hands. So I get it. it. You know, you can't always do it in front of your kids, but like, if you want to instill a love of reading in your children, what better way than modeling that for them? Yeah. That's definitely something I look forward to as they get older. At, at this point, I feel like if I'm reading, they're like, well, what are you reading? Read it to me. And I'm like, yeah, uh, I don't think that's no. something you want to read. <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that too. My six-year-old, she loves to read and I'm so thankful. She's a great reader, but she started to like dabble into like wanting to hear chapter books. So like I pull out a few that I, because I'm a hoarder when it comes to books, like, let's read this one. You want to listen to this one? So that's been fun. I know just doing something for the sake of doing something for you and letting that Mm -hmm. be it. No ulterior motive than just Mm -hmm. doing it for you. And it can be, it sounds so simple, but it can be so cup filling and just 
really recharge you and be that thing that you need to be like, okay, I can go tackle the rest of this day or like, I got this. I, I feel energized again because if you are always coming to the table on empty, it's not good for anybody. Right. And it's so, I feel like it's so hard to get moms to understand that, that like, if you are constantly on empty, you are going to be more likely to snap on somebody. You're, you know, you're not going to be, it's hard to be patient when you have nothing left. Right. So if you take the time to fill your cup, even a little bit and put yourself first, take care of yourself, sit down and eat that, that meal that you want to eat and not just their leftovers so that you are, you know, that you're full and you have a nutritious breakfast. It sets up your day. And then you're like, okay, I'm not running on empty. I'm not running on just caffeine. And so that my hormones are going haywire and my mood is insane. And I'm snapping on my kids. Instead, I'm like, all right, I feel good. I'm in a good place. Kid has a meltdown. You can handle it without yelling at them. You can be there and sit with them because you're not overstimulated. And you're like, okay, what do you need? Because you can help the kid with what they need because you are regulated. Yeah. It's so important. (laughs) It's so important, especially when they get into the tantrum age, you know, you're like, okay, here we go. We're in the thick of it now. It's happening. happening. I have a five-year-old girl and the sass Mm. and the attitude with that one is strong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. Tiny teenager. Yeah. I'm like, if this is you at five, I'm scared of you as a teenager. I know. I know. I'm like, okay, please use your powers for good instead of evil because you're not going to put up with anybody's crap. But also, will you please eat a vegetable tonight at dinner? <laughs> but I have both of mine are girls and I'm like, okay, let's channel this energy because we're going to make a change one way or another. Like if, if your moms can't do it, at least we're like paving the way for these, you know, little ones to like step up and be like, all right, we're here. We're not putting up with this anymore. Like, let's make some change. I hope. Speaking of that too, though, I love that you said that because if we are modeling to them self-care yeah, and going, hold on, buddy, I need to finish eating my breakfast before we can go play. Mom needs to take care of herself. You know, mom needs to do this before we can do this. You are showing them. We are showing them that it is important and it is okay to take care of yourself. Yes. But if you are constantly being that martyr, you are teaching them that the kids come first and that is how they should parent too. That the kids, it's always about the kids and never about them. Yeah. So that's such an important aspect too, is being able to model that so that our girls and even, you know, I have a son, my boy learns mom taking care of herself is important and it is a priority. Oh my gosh. And for your son to see that and then to be, if he chooses to be a partner to someone someday to be like, okay, no, I saw my mom taking care of herself. You need to make sure you're doing that too. Because we, like our default is to kind of repeat the patterns that we've learned from our parents, Mm -hmm. whether we want to or not. So if we're not actively thinking about it, we're going to just shift right back into that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, doing the work, generational work. It's so good. I'm so glad you said that. It's so good. Yeah. I have a few questions I like to ask all of my guests and I think we've kind of covered some of this, but maybe some other juicy morsels will come out of this. First, what didn't you expect motherhood to change or shake up in you? My first like initial thought is my relationship, my marriage. Mm. I had no idea how much it would affect that. And I don't think that's something that is really, it's definitely never talked about. Like you don't hear that in any parenting classes and it makes sense why it does. But if you're not prepared for it, it's hard to navigate. Sure. So I would definitely say that um, my self-worth as a person, Mm -hmm. because everything that went wrong with baby, I took as it was something I did wrong. She's crying. Why? I did something. And I, I mean, I remember, especially with my first, anytime even anybody even tried to give me advice in a loving way. I took it personally. Yes. I hear that. And 
learning that it's not, it's not all my fault. Yeah. I can't affect, yeah. you know, this baby's going to do what they want and they, they make up their own mind. Yeah. And even as I get older too, I had a, a parenting coach on and she was just saying, you know, you can be a very involved, like top-notch parent and still have a challenging child. Like they are their own humans yes. and not everything that they do is a reflection of your parenting. Yes. And learning that exactly that, that it's not a reflection of you. It does not affect your self-worth. Yeah. They are their own person and it's, they're going to do what they want to do. You can you can ha- try and handle what you can, but you can't change everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just trying to release the control a little bit, I think is so powerful. But of course, we feel like we have to control all the things when we don't have a lot of support in place to tell us that we don't have to. Of course, mm-hmm. we default to that. That makes perfect sense. You have given so much good advice, but if there's one piece of advice, one key takeaway for someone coming away from this episode, um, for another mother at any stage in the journey, what would it be? It's kind of a twofold thing. Ask for help and accept the help. Oh, I'm glad you said indifferentiated between the two. Yeah. Because yes, because asking for help is hard, but it's so good. And there's so many, what I've learned through my journey is there are so many people out there who want to help you, but they don't necessarily know how, you know, like what you need. Yeah. And so if you were, if you just ask, they will jump on it and be so happy to help. They just didn't know how, and then being willing to accept the help. Like you said, you had the coworker that offered to do the meal train and you were like, Oh, I don't need that. But looking back, you're like, man, I should have taken it. Right. If somebody offers to bring you a meal, don't be the martyr. Don't think that you accepting a meal means that I can't cook. I'm not good enough to no. say, yeah, please bring that meal. Yeah. Somebody wants to offer to come over and clean your house. Yes, please. Right. It does not make you any less than it does not make you a bad mom. That's just what I always hear is all these moms thinking that asking for help or accepting help makes them a bad mom, you know, or makes them any that they can't handle things. No. And that's just not true. Right. We're not meant to do it alone. And I think there's so much to be said about receiving and receiving without feeling like you're indebted to somebody else. Because I would say 99% of the people are not expecting, I mean, of course there's always somebody, but I would say most people are not expecting a thing in return. They're just wanting to be available to, for you and just accept that and, and revel yeah. in it when you get it. Yeah. Honestly, like I know I brought, I had a friend have a miscarriage and mm-hmm. I brought them, them dinner. Um, and of course it happened. Her husband was out of town. She has three oh other gosh. kids. I'm like, please let me bring you food. And she was like, yeah. yes. And just hearing her, you know, I think she like texted me that night that they had it and said, thank you so much. That made such a difference. Yeah. That in itself was all I needed. Yeah. You know, just hearing that it was able to help Yeah. in a situation that like is very hard. Sucks. Yeah. I I don't need anything in return. Just hearing that I was able to help was more than enough. Yeah. And two, like you said, a lot of people will offer, but they don't know how to help. And I heard from, um, her name's Sarah Schaefer. I had her on earlier in the podcast and she said, I create a list and I start with small asks. So when somebody says, Hey, can I help you with something? Or can, do you need anything from me? You can start with like, oh, I would love it if you could pick this up for me. You know, like a, whatever feels like a smaller ask for yeah. you. And then when you're feeling like you need more help, it it's conditioned you to be uh, more willing <laughs> because you're like, oh, I've had some practice asking for help. Like I can ask for this thing. That's a great idea. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard. Some of us have never had to ask for help before. I'll do it myself. I'm independent. I can handle it. Mm. Yeah. We're not meant to do it alone. Oh, mm. that's so good. Okay. And you can, most of the time you can do it yourself yeah. until you add that you add up more people into the mix then it's when it gets right right it's a whole new landscape you can't expect that everything that you did before is going to work when you are healing from a major event and introducing a whole new human i think feel like that's the piece people forget about it's like okay baby's here you had a baby cool but like we're integrating a whole new human like our entire lives are shifting right now 
and then you go back to work. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So well rested from your vacation. Yeah, of course, from your vacation, mm-hmm. your lengthy six week <laughs> vacation. Yes. Thank you for saying that. Mm. Okay. Last question for you. How do you reconnect to yourself in motherhood? That is, that's a great one. Um, I kind of touched on that. Like for me, it was kind of getting back to my roots and doing something that really helped me connect to me. For me, it's reading and just getting alone time. Yes. Is sometimes the biggest thing for me. And even if that means like the kids are playing in the living room and I just step away for a couple minutes, like I can hear them. Yeah. They're okay. Right. They're not dying. But just getting a couple minutes to just sit and breathe, maybe, you know, take some deep breaths and not be in the chaos and sit down and drink my coffee or drink some water and just decompress for a minute. I never realized how much I valued alone time until I felt like I was never alone. Yes. Yeah. I feel that. I feel that I'm an only child. So I think that's where it comes from for me. I was used to a lot of alone time. Yeah. (laughs) Then you're like, there's people everywhere. (laughs) They won't get out of my house. They're always here. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm sure it resonates. If anyone else is an only child, like you don't get it unless you were an only child because you know, there was always noise and other people around. Oh, but I love how you just, even a couple moments, like it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Like it doesn't, if you can't carve out 30 minutes for yourself, okay, take three minutes, go in the other room and and recenter. Yeah, for sure. Like it doesn't have, yeah. I love that. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. Yeah. I got that from somebody else. I didn't (laughs) come up with that, but I thought it was really good. And it carries over into so many areas. It's harder now that the kids are older, but like when they were younger, I'd put them in the stroller and go on a walk. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, depending on, I might even play a podcast or some music while we're walking. It's hard to do when they won't get in a stroller now, but I miss, yes. <laughs> I miss that aspect, but yeah. even that like kind of alone time and just, you know, cause they're pretty content in the stroller and getting outside and changing your scenery, getting some movement in. Yeah. It can really help kind of recenter you too. And I, yeah, I miss that. Yeah. That's so good. I know we're getting up to like the end of stroller time. I know when my first one was like at two, she was like, no more. So I'm trying to bask in it, but you're so right. Even just being able to contain, even when you have two, just being able to contain one for a few minutes. Yeah. Huge. So helpful. Oh, this was all so good. Can you please tell us how people can find you, how they can work with you, what kind of offers you have available? Absolutely. So my main platform is Facebook. So I'm just on there as Michelle Solger. I also have uh, a mama community. It's called postpartum and beyond, um, where, you know, it's a great place for moms to connect through just my content. And like my reels, I learned, I found that moms were commenting on each other's comments in the comments and they were just trying to connect, you know, and finding somebody that they resonated with. And so I said, I want to make somewhere where they can connect. And so that's, I've created this community and it's so fun. It's seeing that moms that are, you know, in similar stages are having a safe place to ask questions because, you know, some mom groups can be brutal. Oh my gosh. And having somewhere that they feel safe to ask the questions that may seem like a stupid question to somebody else Yeah, and just can get that, that support. And, you know, I also, you know, share my stuff in there too. And I, like I said, I'm also uh, a certified mental wellness coach and I specialize in helping postpartum moms. So I offer one-on-one coaching for moms and we go through mental wellness aspects like sleep, nutrition, uh, you're going through your stress management, helping you to learn and cope through those things. We talk about coping mechanisms and just learning how to take care of yourself so that you can take care of your family in the best way possible. Mm, that's so good. I love it so much. We'll have all the links in the show notes so everyone can find you. I, you've got quite the following on Facebook. So I know your message is getting out there and I'm so glad for it because it's so needed. It's so needed. And this is another conversation that I've had multiple times with other women where I'm like, the resources aren't available. The mamas are creating them like, fine. You're not going to put them in place in the system. Forget it. Like we are going to change it because this cannot continue the way it has been going. And I do have a new um, free resource called the postpartum survival guide. 
awesome. that I'm so excited about. It kind of goes over a lot of different areas of postpartum um, and how to prepare for it. So checklists of what you need for postpartum, mm. not what you need for baby, what you yes. need. Um, it goes over what is happening in your body with your hormones, the things that nobody tells you about postpartum, things to ask mm. at your six week appointment. Cause I know yes. I went in to mine and I'm like, well, I don't, did you have any questions? I'm like, do I? I don't, I think I, I have know. all the questions <laughs> Yes, <laughs> and just so many things we even, um, it also goes over the differences of postpartum depression and baby blues that we kind of touched mm-hmm. on yeah. and you know, what's normal, what's not when you need, you know, when it's to the point where you need to get help. So that is another resource that I've created that I'm Yay. just so excited to get out there for moms. Yes. I love that. We'll have that linked in the show notes as well. Like y'all, even if you're like, I don't think I'm going to need that. It's a free resource. Grab it. You've got it. If nothing else in your back pocket, when things start to feel hard and you're like, oh, maybe, maybe I could check that out. Exactly. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your stories, the parts that are not always so pretty and easy to listen to. Cause I think that is so powerful getting the message out. We're not scaring the moms, we're just shedding light on some parts of it that aren't so beautiful, but look, here you are and you're doing fabulously. And I am inclined to believe that your motherhood experience has led you to where you are today. A 100%. If I had not been through what I've been through, I would never have gotten into wanting to help moms and having such a passion for helping moms. And I would never have gotten into coaching. Yeah. I love it so much. You are just one of many women that I've interviewed who are like, I would never be here without my motherhood experience. So even, even if parts are hard, there is like such a beautiful other end of the rainbow for you. Mm -hmm. Once you just kind of work your way through the tough stuff. A hundred percent. Michelle, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate all of it. Appreciate all your wisdom. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed it. for tuning into this episode of the having a mom moment podcast please be sure to follow and rate if you love what you're hearing and come follow me on socials at having a mom moment on instagram or on facebook i'd love to hear from you so shoot me a message if there's something you particularly loved or something you'd like to hear about on a future episode so you can message me on either platform or send me an email at havingamommoment at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. In case no one has told you today, you are amazing, you are loved, and I am so proud of the beautiful human that you are. Take care.